Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. so good to be together, whether you're with 12 Stone Home, wherever you're gathered, or 12 Stone Live, we're opening the campuses. We're fired up to be here, right, church, to gather together to go after all that God has. And we're in this book of Ephesians, and here's what we learn right off the top. This is what Jesus did for us. Look what he's done. So Christ himself, so he's personally engaged in this, Christ himself gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service. Jesus himself set up his church in such a way that he would equip spiritual leaders to equip you. That's how committed he is to you becoming who you're created to be. I was 16 years old, and on the month of my 16th birthday, my mom gave me this exact Bible. And on November 13th of 1977, when I was 16, I had this inexplicable sense that I was called to be a pastor, but I, I'm 16. I don't, I don't know what to do with that in me, and I, I don't know how to explain it. I don't, so I, and I didn't know. So, so I was in prayer that evening, and And I asked the Lord, and some of you have heard me tell this story. I asked the Lord, if you would just let me know that I'm called to be a minister, I would follow. I mean, I'll follow you, but I I need to know beyond a shadow of a doubt. And if you don't, then I'm going to go be an attorney. But, but, but if, but if you, but if this is, if I'm supposed to be a minister, and so what I did next, I don't recommend, but I I did this. I said, I'm going to take this Bible. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to let it drop wherever it drops. And, and I did. And I put my finger down to go, I go I, this is not a good way to find the will of God for your life. So don't think I'm encouraging you to, I've got some questions for God. I'm just going to drop the Bible. But he works with us, right? I was 16. And, I, and so I, you know, if you tell me I'm supposed to be a minister, I put my finger down. And this is literally where my finger landed the Bible open. But you will be called the priest of the Lord. You will be spoken of as ministers of our God. Freaked me out. Don't tell me you wouldn't be freaked out. I don't know what I was expecting, but I was not expecting that. I was kind of expecting I'm going to be an attorney. I, I don't know. But, but I was not expecting that. Messed with me. And, and I signed on like this is the very Bible. It's, I wrote November 13th, 1977, 10.55 p.m. because that's when it all happened. Changed my life. We're 20 days away from the next November 13th. Each year I set my alarm for 10.55 p.m. on November 13th. And I have a moment with the Lord. I pull this Bible out and I tell him I resign. You know, it will be 43 years this November 13th, and I visit each year. I say, I resign. I'm still in. I'm, I thank you for rescuing me from myself. That's, 
I, look, I know it's about Christ. I know it's about his kingdom. I know it's about you. I, I get it. I know that was the whole point of being called because Christ calls and empowers spiritual leaders for the sake of his church. I get that. But you know what? It rescued me. I know me. Marsha, Marsha, we talked about this hundreds of times over our marriage. I've confessed. If God had not called me into ministry, I, I, I would be divorced. I am way too selfish. I would not have made it long term. I just I I needed to be in the church because that's the place that Jesus designed us to be spiritually strong. It's inside the inside his system and his design and his formation and the living organism of the church is what Christ designed for us to be built up and, and made strong. And I, I, I don't know, had I not been in, had I not been called early, had I not been invited to, to, to be a, a pastor or minister, I, I don't know what I would have done. I, I, I'd probably be estranged from, from one or more of my kids. I might have had money in the bank, but I'd have had an empty life. I would have been owned by so many sins. It would have just been destructive. So on that November 13th, each, each year at 10.55 p.m., I pause. I, I, this is going to sound silly. I have a little toast with the Lord. I do. I, I toast. I say, thank you. And, and I resigned. I, I so wish that you had the benefits and the blessings of being called to be a minister. Because it changed my life. Every good thing I have. Okay, ready? Here's the turn in the teaching. Are you ready for the turn? Okay, the whole setup, here's the turn. You have been. Listen, if you can hear the truth of the word of God today, you are as called to be a minister for the kingdom of God as much as I am, and it will revolutionize your life. I hope you hear it today. I hope you do. That's where we're going. I hope you'll sign, and if you already have signed, I hope you re-sign, because God... By his design, Christ will give you a vision. You gotta get, you gotta get a God-sized vision for, for, for the mountaintop experience you were created for. So I gotta do the whiteboard stuff today. I don't, I like the whiteboard thing. I'm doing it. I know we got TV and creative over there, but I like the whiteboard. I'm still doing the whiteboard. Okay. So Valley, okay, here we go. That's a mountaintop. Just don't mess with my drawing. Just, just follow, okay? Mountaintop. You were created for mountaintop experience. And don't you long for that? I mean, get a vision for what it means to be strong. You want this. You want to be, you want to be strong in your faith. You want to be strong in your, in your marriage. You want to be strong in your character. You, you want to be strong in your family. And, and, and you want to raise strong kids. I mean, that's in your soul. In your, you want a strong career. You want to be strong in your career. You want to be strong in your finances. You want to be a part of a strong church. You, you, you long to have strong relationships. I mean, this, you, this mountaintop experience, you long for that to be true. And Christ designed us for that. And the church was designed for that. See, we're in Ephesians chapter 4 in this series. And look what he said. Let me go to the larger scale of Ephesians chapter 4. But to each one of us, grace has been given. You have spiritual gifts. As Christ apportioned it, he's intimately invested. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to what? To equip his people, you, for works of service. And he goes on. So that the body of Christ, we as church, may be built up. Maybe what, everybody? Built up. Say it again powerfully. You ready? So that we may be what? Built up. If you're sitting there at 12 Stone Home, you're engaged in a group, you say, built up. That's what's supposed to happen. 
his design until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You were designed for this. Christ, Christ designed the entire church to be the very place where you become strong, where, where you get to the mountaintop. Where this is the strength of your life. Get a God-sized vision. I, listen, I know this is more challenging in COVID season, right? I mean, sometimes our marriage just gets stuck in COVID season. I don't know how you perceive COVID season. I want to be a good leader. I want to be a positive leader. I want to be a forward momentum kind of leader in my thinking and my leading. But sometimes it feels like this whole COVID season is like I'm told to run to the end of the finish line and then they give me a gunny sack. Like I have to get in the sack. Do you ever feel like that? that's what COVID is? That you know you're supposed to be running, but you don't get to run. You get a, you get a sack and you got to go to the end. You stumble and you fall. You got your own imagery of COVID. That's what it feels like COVID is. I'm just stuck. I can't do the things I'm, I'm longing to do. I can't get up the mountain like, like I'm crazy. Some of us in our, our business is just having the life sucked out of it. And we're hopping. We're not running and we want to run, but we don't know how. Some of us, our faith is stumbling and we're hopping and falling. And like, I need to do better. Some of us, like, I'm not comfortable coming to church yet. Maybe some of you are just, you haven't, you haven't come back to a campus when you can and you would. And, and re-engage, and, and sometimes we get sloppy in our faith, or maybe you're not comfortable coming back yet with this whole pandemic stuff, and, but, but then you get sloppy at home, and you're not really online. You, you used to be attentive to it, but you, know, you, you, you have digital fatigue. And you, oh, I'm just, what is that? You're just getting sloppy, and then suddenly it becomes like every other day, and pretty soon it's more about you and less about God. And, and you're sloppy in your character, and we're losing, we're, we're ending up in valleys when we were created for mountaintops. And this stuff undoes us. So today, get a vision for the mountaintop experience that God created you for. Now, that's what I, that's what I did many years back when we had three of the four kids. And um, man, I wanted to give them a mountaintop experience. We, we had bought a van, my first uh, brand new vehicle van. Uh, I bought a Honda Odyssey. Now, it was a four-cylinder, and I know that that's a weak uh, engine. Okay, I get it. But that's, that's what they sold, and, and I, I didn't want to pay for the V8, so I got the, 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 a V6. But I bought a Honda Odyssey for a reason. At that time, the resale value of Honda was stunning, and I wanted to keep you know as much as I could. So I paid it off over four years, and I got this mountaintop vision. I'm going to take my whole family, and, and we're going to go camp. We're going to go, we're going to go to take a pop-up camper and, and go to the Grand Canyon, which I'd never seen in my kids. Had. I'd been east of the Mississippi. And, and, and I, then we were going to go to the mountaintop of the Rockies. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to drive up to the top 10, 12,000 feet up the continent. We're going to go over the continental divide. I mean, this is going to be a fantastic vacation together in a pop-up, which I've since discovered those aren't fantastic vacations. But anyhow, I, I had this great vision. And, and, and but, man, when we got to the Rockies, a four-cylinder pulling a pop-up with five people in there and everything packed, can I tell you something? That does not work. I mean, that is not enough horsepower. That little four-cylinder was dying. We, we were doing 30 to 35 miles an hour all the way up the Rockies. 
my, my friend Chris Huff, he, he, was, he had a V8. He was gone. I did, he, was in, he was in another state. He's no problem. We're dying. That engine is gasping. I'm like, well, I didn't make a good decision here. <laughs> but if you don't have perspective, I, I decided to just go online. Because back then when I did this, we didn't like, go online. <laughs> so back in the old days. So I went online this past week. I wanted to see. I just put in, uh, should I take my four-cylinder with a pop-up camper uh, up the Rockies? I literally found several responses, one engaging conversation where a guy actually asked a group online who does pop-up camping, should I try this? Here was one of the responses that I received. Yeah, camp in your driveway until you get a V8. That's like literally one of the guy's responses. If you don't have clarity as to what this looks like because you, you don't engage this, then this guy posted a video and said, watch this, you'll get the idea. This is an old 2003 VHS, some of you don't know what that is, uh, video capture. It's fuzzy. You'll still get the point. Check it out. burning a bit rich, okay? I know that's tragic. I don't care who you are, that's funny. It's horrible, it's tragic, but it, listen, you, you can't get up a mountain that requires a V8 and do it on a four-cylinder investment. You can't do it. See, the, this book of Ephesians, Christ is teaching us that we have this mountaintop experience with Christ. And this mountaintop experience with Christ is in Ephesians chapters 1 to 3. We've been teaching this. And through Christ, you are made holy. This, this is all the work of Christ. And he transforms your thinking. You don't even think like you used to. You see the world completely different because you're a new creation. And these are things that only God, say it with me, who? Only God can do. You can't do it. You don't save yourself. But then the book of Ephesians makes a hard turn. And Ephesians chapters 4 to 6 are now going up a mountain. It's, it's another mountain. Like, it's like this starts with a mountain, but you're aware that there's this valley in between and another mountain. Stay with me. This is where he says, you be holy. See, now this is the, this is the transformation of your living. This is transformed living. Now the thing that you know, see, the thing that you know now has to become the thing that you do. And if, if you don't move from no to do, you end up in a valley. And we can all get stuck in this valley. Our marriage gets stuck in the valley. Our career, our character, our family, the, our parenting, our, our church, we, our finances, we can get stuck in the valley because you can have a mountaintop experience with God and be saved. But if you don't transfer what you know to what you do, you get stuck down here. And this vision that God has for us that Ephesians is talking about is transformed living. And listen, God has 
things for you to do. To what, everybody? God has things for you to do. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to what, everybody? Do good works. I need enthusiasm here. To what? Do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. You, you were created to get up this mountain, and that's what Christ does in us, in the church. But you got to move from no to do. Now you can say, oh, PK, you did get up the mountain. See, look, this takes V8. You say, oh, PK, you got up there with your four-cylinder. Yes, I did. At 30 to 35 miles an hour. But I didn't escape the consequences. I, 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 I got over it. But I lost major. See, I was killing the engine. By the time we got over the mountain, for the rest of the trip, the car, the engine needed more oil than it used to. It just didn't run right. And then when we got back, it never ran right. Just needed more oil, and the engine light kept coming on. I'd take it to the dealership, and they'd work on it. They said, we don't, we're not sure. We don't see it. And then it would die on the side of the road, literally. We were driving on the side of the road, and they're just in the middle of whatever. And it just dies. I pull it off. I get to have it towed back to the dealership. This thing is, oh, we, they fix it. And they don't fix it. But finally, I'm like, Marsha, we got to get rid of the car. But the problem is, is it should be worth $10,000, but it's not. How, what are we going to do? We killed it. I, I got to sell it. And you know what? I don't know how to put it up for sale because the moment I do, God will probably let some 12 stoner come over to our house looking for a van. <laughs> and they go, hey, Pastor Kevin, that's awesome. Is this reliable? <sighs> It'll never sell. I can't lie. It's in character a bummer. So, I mean, I can't lie. So I'm, just, so I'm not going to get my 10000 that I need that I put in. What are we going to do? And then a friend said, hey, look, I'll help you out. You know, I, I can take it to a dealership auction. Uh, but know this, you're going to get five grand for it. You're going to lose half of what it should be worth um, because they buy it low and they know that it's buyer beware. And, I mean, and so anyhow, I wrestled with them. What else am I going to do? What else am I going to do? This? I can't keep having the car die. And, so I just take it. I'll, I'll lose my five grand. By the way, that five, that five grand is more than I paid for the whole trip. Anyhow, just, I don't want to get it off my chest. I'm just saying so he took it to the auction. They get it in line, and it's like three cars away, two cars away, one car away. And just before they pull up the auction block, the engine dies. They couldn't start it. They had to put it in neutral and push it. It sold for 2500 bucks. After fees, I got like two grand. I was so short-sighted because I tried to get up a mountain that required V8 effort. I lost like eight grand. You know what? Here's what I, I could have had a V8. <laughs> like I had the money. I could. I, I eventually I spent enough money that it, I I could have bought that. What God is saying to you in Ephesians chapter 4 and following is that you were created to get out of the valley by the power of Christ and have this kind of strong life, but you got to put more than a V4 effort in. All right. That's the intro. Now let's get to the teaching. Here we go. 
Jesus built in structure to build up strength. Jesus built in a structure for the church to build up strength. Jesus built in what, everybody? Structure to build up what? Strength. That's his design. Let's look at it. This is the rest of the teaching. Let's look at it. They'll go to the full scripture. Now, the structure, you see in scriptures, but to each one of us, grace has been given, spiritual gifts have been given to you as Christ apportioned it. So Christ himself, here's Christ, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service. Then you get to the strength that he gives us. So that, why do all that? So that the body of Christ, we as church, may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You see that Christ designed the church specifically so that together we would go up the mountain Our lives would have the fullness of the power of God. We would have a mountaintop kind of strength of life. And we would build up one another. Like the strength would come from one another. And all this is done by Christ. And he puts a design to it. If the design isn't clear, let me just lay it out for you. How do you you get up the valley? All right, here's the movement up the valley. Here's his structure that he gave apostles and he gave prophets, and he gave evangelists, and he gave pastors, called pastors and teachers. When I say, oh, I was called when I was 16, this, this, this is my calling. I have a job to do. And my job is to equip you. I'll get to that in a moment. But, but know this, Christ so cared about you that he created a group of spiritual leaders who would pour into you and equip you because you're as called as I am. I'm called to this. And so the word of God becomes the, the foundation, if you will. The core of your training. The core of your equipping. That's, that, that's why we each weekend we teach. That's why Jason Barry teaches. That's why Sean teaches. I, we're in this book of Ephesians, and I want to add value to you. So I asked Trey Hildebrand at the Snellville campus to go produce like six key questions in the book of Ephesians we can't deal with on the weekend and do 10 minutes each or so on, on those. And the first one is going to be tonight, Sunday night. So if you're on Instagram, you'll, you'll, it'll get pushed out to you, and you'll, you'll be able to get that. And why are we doing all that? When the first apostles and the prophets were, were, were established, like the 12 disciples of Christ and, and, and Paul, Paul, the apostle, and, and, and James, another apostle, the brother of Christ. The word of God got wrote through, written through these men. So, so literally in the beginning, when, when, when Paul's writing this, he's saying, God gave some to the apostles and prophets so that the word of God in the first 50 years or so of the church would be written. Now we have the word of God. Now we teach it. Listen, we don't add to or subtract from. We now know the truth. We don't need the level of apostle and prophet we once needed in the church because the foundation has been set. And now we live by the word of God. And listen, if you follow Christ, you follow the word of God. And if you don't follow the word of God, you don't follow Christ. Listen, if I teach you something and it contradicts with God's word, it's not true. It's a lie. Even if I can get 10, 20, 30,000 people to agree with me. Some popular pastor writes a book or gets online or teaches on a weekend or I don't care if they're on TV, where they, wait, and they teach. But if it contradicts anything in God's word, what they're teaching is wrong. It's not true. I don't care if the Pope of the Catholic Church steps up and speaks. If it contradicts the word of God, he's wrong. I don't care if your friends 
step up and speak. And you sit in a culture and we tweet each other and we, oh, here's what I think. I don't care what the polls say. If it contradicts God's word, it's wrong. We're rooted in the word. Christ designed the church so that we would have the truth. And that's foundational to your life. See, one of the kindest things God ever did for me, give me a picture of this that helped me in my own and may, may help you. I, by the way, Thanksgiving is coming and I love pies. I like pumpkin pie. Anyone? Anyone? Okay. How many of you, how many of you, uh, you why don't you on the count of three yell your favorite pie? Because I'm not going to guess them all. Okay, you ready? So in the room and wherever you're seated, just on the count of three, yell your favorite pie. One, two, three. Okay. Those were all good. Now listen. Here's what happens in our spiritual lives. The, the pie, if it represents our lives, we cut up our lives in time and space and, and organization. And here's what's dangerous. That we think Jesus in the church is one of the eight slices of pie. So that way we pull out that piece of pie and we set aside, and this is what I do on the weekend, this is what I do. And then all the other areas of your life are separate. Which is why a whole bunch of people look like they're Christians on the weekend, but they don't everywhere else. Because they got the pie wrong. Jesus, the church, is not a slice of your pie. It is the crust of your pie. It undergirds everything. It is the foundation of every decision that you make in marriage, in character, in family, in kids, in an election. Thought I'd throw that in. In career, in finances, in church, in relationship. He's the crust, and the truth of God guides us and forms us and becomes the very foundation of how we live and how we do life. That's why in Ephesians, Paul says this, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming, which by the way is the world we live in. People have all sorts of deceitful scheming to accommodate the culture and the world, to adjust the word of God to the world so the world can receive the word of God, which is ridiculous because once you change from the truth, you have nothing to offer. There's, there's nothing to offer. So instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up. That's He's going to grow us up, up the mountain, to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. We are designed for this. Now, that's what Christ did for you. He set it up so that you have pastors and teachers. And, and so that's how, how you get up. The, now, the next way you get up the mountain is he, is he, he wants to equip you. He's equipping you through pastors. He equips you to serve. He equips you to what? If you want to get up the mountain, you want to be strong, then you got to know that you have those who are equipping you, and they're equipping you to serve, which means I have a job, and I have a job description, and my job is to equip you. Listen, my job is not to do the work of ministry. My job is to equip you to do the work of ministry. There's all sorts of confusion in the kingdom of God, and it's why the church doesn't work. We end up stuck collectively as a church in the world because... Valley life occurs when you violate the structure that Jesus designed for the church. He didn't call me to do the work of the church. He called me to equip you to serve and do the work of the church. So in other words, I'm not the player on the field and you're on the stands. I am the coach and you're in the field. You are players. You are designed to do the work of the kingdom of God. Our executive pastor, Dan Ryland, man, he blogs and teaches and coaches tons of pastors. And, and, and he, he wrote one and it's just, it's just insightful and helpful. He's a man, there, there are at least three decisions churches make. The first one is churches think, well, the pastor, the pastor's the one who does the ministry. And so the church hires him. You're like, hey, I give him my offering. I hire you, man. Step up. Do the work of ministry. 
get this done. By the way, here's what's not happening. Fix it. Take care. I mean, that's not his design. Yeah, other churches, they like they hire the pastor, but but it's the pastor's vision and it's the pastor's calling, and you kind of join him. It's all about the pastor and, and he makes ministry happen, but you come alongside and join him. Not true. The biblical design, I'm only here to equip you. You are the ministers. You do the work of ministry. You are the heroes. The Spirit of God is upon you to do the work of ministry, and that produces a strength that gets you up the mountain. And if we don't equip and you don't serve, it doesn't work. Man, this is getting so good. How does it get so good? Let me put it this way. You will never be fully you without us. You ought to write this down. You will never be fully you without us, and we will never be fully us without you. Just sit in that for a minute. See, we, we, we can't help it. We're, we're trained to be consumers and customers, and we bring it into the church, and, and so the church gets broke. The church is not a Saturday night restaurant. When you go... Saturday night to the restaurant. What are you thinking? You're thinking, I'm a customer. I'm here to be served. You never think that you think that. You just do. That's the context for your experience. We are not a Saturday night restaurant. We're not trying to become your favorite restaurant. For you to consume and say, oh, that tasted good. We, we are more like family Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is Perhaps my favorite holiday because what we get to do is family. And let me tell you how we do Thanksgiving as a family. I, I prepare the turkey, which is always fantastic. But then we have 20, 25 come together, my brother and his grown kids and, and their kids, which are his grandkids, whoever of them are available and able, and, and our kids and our grandkids, and we all come together. And listen, listen, listen what everybody does. Everybody doesn't come for a meal all prepared. Everybody prepares according to their strengths and gifts, their favorite and best dish, and then they bring it, and we fill the table, and it is awesome. Listen, what does a family get when we eat together? Listen. We get strengthened. Well, first we want to go to sleep, but then, then we get strengthened. The church is not trying to become your favorite restaurant. We're inviting you to a Thanksgiving meal where everyone does their part. That's what Ephesians 4.16 says. Everyone does their part. See, you will never be fully you without us, and we can never be fully us without you. So if you're not in, this doesn't work. You were created for this. You have spiritual gifts. So that means that when we have moms and dads, young or whatever age or stage of life, and they pour into children's ministry and student ministry, they are serving according to their giftedness. I got a friend who's a retired pastor who's made 12 stone uh, his home, and, and he lost his wife several years ago. And so he now takes that experience with his gifts. And though he's retired from career ministry, he's not retired from his spiritual gifts. He, he pours into grief care, and he's training people in grief care, and, and people are coming to Christ, and he's, he's multiplying it from, from this campus to other campuses and, and, and celebrating the kindness of the part. Listen, I don't care what age or stage you are. I don't care if you're empty nester or you retired from, from your job. 
You are not retired from the kingdom. Get in. God created you and designed you for this to make a difference, to build up. Listen to what Romans chapter 12 says. I just have it in my notes. We have different gifts, spiritual gifts, according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If your gift is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. Come on. That's what the church is created for. We're here to spur one another on. That's what it says in Hebrews. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. What we do matters. See, God has things for us to do. And the scripture goes on. Not giving up meeting together. Whether it's 12 stone live or 12 stone home. As some are in the habit of doing. And then in scripture it says, especially during COVID. I'll move on. But encouraging one another up the mountain, up the what? Mountain. And all the more as you see the day that is Jesus' second coming approaching. You have spiritual gifts, and those spiritual gifts are not for you to be built up. Those spiritual gifts are to build up somebody else, and then they build up somebody else, and they build up, and you experience collectively we're all built up. That's how you get up the mountain. That's how you become strong, and it takes a V8 effort. This is not casually done. This is done together by the things that you do. So can I tell you something? I have already, but I'm going to do it again. Ready? If you grab a Bible and you say, God, I don't know if I'm supposed to be a minister. And you drop the Bible down and you let it fall open. It's going to fall to Ephesians chapter 4. And then he's going to say, you are called to be ministers of our God. The spirit of God is upon you for the work of his kingdom. Come on, church. That's what you were created for. Sign on. And if you already know it, re-sign. Look, I'm going to ask you to do something right now. This is a significant spiritual moment. Connect to your calling. You say, you know what? I'm called to be a minister. And literally, everybody get their phone out. Here, across all the campuses. I know you brought it. Some of you are looking at other stuff. <laughs> Some of you are at 12 Stone Home, flipping through. And go to your phone and just text connect to 37748. See, back in the day, I, I signed the Bible. That was my way of signing on. This is your way of signing on. Look, there are some people who are waking up. God is redefining the church for 12 Stone Home. There are people who are a part of 12 Stone is relocated to other parts of the country, other parts of the city and the territory, and they're waking up. They're going to be starting 12 Stone Home. Some of you listening right now, you know that this is happening in Marietta. It's, it's happening in Alpharetta. It's happening down in Florida. It's happening in multiple states. It's happening in the territory. Go get it done. God is redefining the church equally. Don't just come back to a campus. Come back to serving. Church, we were created for this. Now, I know there are COVID complications, but listen, we can't solve it all in the weekend, but we can surrender in a weekend. Come on. I don't, I don't care if you've been doing this for 43 years. Get your phone today, even right now, even by the end of the teaching. And just text connect to 37748, which is your way of signing on or re-signing. They'll send you back a you know a little thing to fill out, and then the campus pastor, when you fill that out, will follow up with you and say, I don't know what all this means. Well, sign on. I didn't know all that it meant either. Last thought. Christ designed the church, and he gave gifts to pastors and teachers, evangelists to equip you so that the church 
together could build strength. Could do what? Build strength. And we got to make a V8 effort toward this. We can't, we can't do a four-cylinder. See, God built in structure. Look at it. God built in structure. Oh, I jumped a scripture, didn't I? Yeah, that's all right. It's all so good. Jesus built in structure to build up strength. That previous scripture was just the reminder that he builds up the church. We've read that scripture already. He builds up the church. He builds up strength in us. Now, listen, here's the final thought you got to get. This has to be more than what you say. It has to be what you do. Not what you say, what you do. Not what you say, but what you do. Your life has to match your words. You got to build up strength. And I was talking about this with Travis Billman. And he's going to wrap up our teaching. And I'll pray for you. Because we'll need it. And he's been building up strength all during the COVID season. And he says, I've learned some things in building up strength. And people have been asking me, how have I done it? He said, man, I can teach people. I said, well, go ahead. Here it is. Hey, guys. So over quarantine, I was able to lose a little bit of weight. And I had several people asking me, so Travis, what's your workout routine? And I thought maybe it'd be helpful if I just shared that with all of you. Uh, and my personal routine kind of starts with a kale protein shake. I know it sounds gross, but it's actually really good for workouts. And uh, kale is a superfood protein. It's really good for building up muscle. I start with ice, then I add in some almond milk, some kale, I throw in some protein powder that I like, and then uh, you need to add just a touch of sweetener because if you don't, the protein will kind of sit in your gut like a log and it's not very good. So I found a sweetener that I like, I add that in, uh, you can find one that you like for yourself. Mix it all together. I'm ready for a workout. Now it's important to build up your long-term energy as well because the length of the workouts that I like to do, you really need some energy to sustain you. And so that's why I like to load up on carbs. If you're a coffee drinker, try to avoid the granulated sugar, all right? It's gonna uh, really spike your blood sugar, not very good for you. So all you have to do is insert a natural sweetener like agave nectar. That's way better for your glycemic index. Just a little pro tip for you. Now, once I've loaded up on carbs, then it's off to the gym. And I can tell you that by the time I arrive there, usually my body is super keyed up and ready to go for a great workout. All right. Now, the easier you make your workout routine, the more likely you are to continue it. That's why I've made mine as easy as possible. Your workout needs to contain three types of exercises. Number one, flexibility. It's important to get a good stretch to keep your muscles limber. Number two is strength training. This is where you're kind of working on the major muscle groups. Now, I personally like to do a lot of reps with small weights because it creates more of a sleek figure. That's what I'm personally going for. Then number three is aerobic exercise. This is really pushing your heart rate for a sustained period. And honestly, this is where I spend most of my time and it feels really good to put on the miles. Now, I'll probably take a cool down period of maybe 15 minutes or so. And then if I'm feeling, you know, kind of happy with my workout, maybe I'll give myself a little treat. Just make sure you fall in love with your routine. Don't get frustrated, okay? If you wanna have results like mine, you're gonna have to make sacrifices, but it's totally worth it. In fact, now that I think about it, Maybe I'll have myself a second workout tonight. I don't know. I don't know. Let's get crazy. But good luck, and I hope this has been helpful. Oh, thank you, Travis. Always so helpful. And, of course, that's office-style sitcom sarcasm, and we love that around here because it makes a point. 
You can't talk the faith and then contradict it in your life choices. Because you end up where? In the valley. You can't get to the mountaintop talking strength of faith, but making four-cylinder effort. What you do matters. And God has things for you to do. Put the V8 effort into it. Christ designed the church for us to be built up. So I want to pray for you. And I want to give you these final kind of three reminders. You are a minister. Say that. Just whisper it in your soul. I'm a minister. You are a minister. You've been called as much as I have been. you got to absorb this. Wow. Now sign on. I know you think, oh, this is dorky. I'm not going to get my phone out. 37748, connect. Yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah, because it helps you. Because it sells it in your soul. Well, I hope you will. I can tell you what to do, but I hope you do. And no longer treat the church like a Saturday night restaurant. It's a family Thanksgiving meal, and we all do our part. So bow your heads. Father, by the power of your spirit, oh God, would you wake us up to who we were created to be? Now, I know there's some people listening in. They, they haven't even had the first mountaintop experience with you. They haven't been made holy, and they're wondering if all this is true. And we pray, oh God, draw them to yourself. So wherever you are, as I'm praying over you, if you don't know Jesus, we pray you would come to know him. But there's a whole bunch of us, God, who know you, and we're stuck in, in valley kind of living, and we're struggling with, with the view to the mountaintop experience we were created for. And God, right now, literally, I just pray thousands of us, wherever we are, would just surrender to you and say, God, I'm going to connect, connect to my calling. My answer is yes, oh God. I'm going to sign. I'm going to resign. May you build us up. He will. I'm telling you, he will. And make us strong in all the most important areas of life. And you'll get all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories and make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.